Southeast Radio's morning mix. Southeast Radio. Good morning to you and good morning to your listeners. Lovely to talk to you. You have a fascinating release. It's called The Last Nuns in Ireland. And of course, you were telling me off air that you focused in on County Wexford as well. And in particular, the Presentation Sisters in recent times. But give me the background to this new release, please. I will indeed. So um, essentially, um, I, I'm, uh, there's a documentary going out next week on RTE and it's actually one of two uh, authored films. The other is by the actor uh, and comedian Ardlo Hanlon, who many people will be familiar with, not least for his role as Father Dougal in Father Ted. But these two documentaries, The Last Priest in Ireland and The Last Nuns in Ireland, are exploring the role of the Catholic clergy and religious sisters in Irish life. And I suppose what we're asking is, what if these are the last priests and nuns in Ireland? And the documentaries come out, I suppose, um, not unlike the Troubles, 25, you know, almost 30 years after the abuse scandals. And the statistics are really, really stark. So for me, um, and I'm a former religious affairs correspondent, so it's a little bit like coming full circle. I would have covered the controversies, including in the Diocese of Ferns, very extensively as a younger journalist. But when you look at the statistics of nuns, we used to have about 14,000 women religious in Ireland at its peak just in the 1960s uh, before the Second Vatican Council came in and 14,000 women running most of our schools and hospitals. And now today there are less than 4,000 with an average age of between 80 to 85 years old. We know that vocations for both priests and nuns are negligible, but particularly for the nuns, what was really striking, and like most women on this island, I'm convent educated, and really this way of life could be gone within 10 or 15 years. It was a fascinating uh, journey to go on. You, you tell us that you examine the role of the female religious sisters in Ireland from earliest times to the present day to see how they have shaped Irish lives for better or for worse. Now, the documentary is coming up on RT1 television at uh, quarter past ten on the 16th of January. So can you share with us some of what you found, please? Yeah, so essentially we went from uh, Perse and Bridget, barely good looking, she was the 5th century, but essentially we looked at from the 12th century to present day. And the religious orders, as we know it, and as your listeners um, in, in the southeast will know it, the, the, the vast majority of religious orders are about 200 years old. So Nano Nagel, Mary Aikenhead, Mary Martin, and what we discovered was these women religious who were called to religious life, who at the beginning, I suppose, that when there was a fledgling impoverished our state, were asked to come to um, to many uh, dioceses and to many towns and villages to, um, to, I suppose, meet the needs of the poor and the marginalised. So one we went to, which was fascinating with the historian Gillian O'Brien, was um, the Presentation Sisters Convent in, uh, in Wexford, which was built in 1818. Really, really fascinating because it was only 20 years after the 1798 rebellion. And the sisters actually didn't want to be ostentatious. They weren't trying to show off that they were um, a Catholic convent. And like, you know, because um, politically these times were difficult, you know, the, you know, even with the penal era. And I suppose after penal times, Catholicism became synonymous with nationalism. So you have this sort of unholy communion, I suppose, ultimately be church and state. But we went to the convent and it was fascinating. The, the author, Julian O'Brien, was talking just about the architecture and design of the convent, how the women were kept um, from, from public life, and also how brave they were. She describes the women who built the, um, the convent in Wexford as sister builders. They designed the building. They dealt with the um, mostly men who were building it 
with the hierarchy. And of course, they made a huge, huge contribution uh, to the life of Wexford and, and the diocese. Of course, inevitably, we get to the controversies. We do cover uh, scandals. And I suppose it's, it's really, really interesting. You know, 20, 25 years out, I suppose the question I was asking as a journalist, but also as someone who is myself educated by nuns, I was asking the question, can I hold the two things together? The undoubted achievements of these women. In other lives, they would be running countries, I imagine, or, or running big companies. But can we hold both the achievements as well as the legacy of the abuse scandals. And I think as a country, we're still struggling with that concept. You're quoted as saying in the build-up to this, I've spent a significant part of my own vocation as a journalist criticising the nuns and the Catholic Church's once powerful hold over Irish society. Having now done this documentary, have you changed your opinion? Well, you know, what it has done is, I suppose, this uh, journey that I've been on. Um, and, you know, and, and I should lay my cards on the table. You know, um, my faith in the institutional church, as opposed to the individuals, has been decimated. You know, I I, um, I mostly just go to weddings, funerals and holy communions. I, I voted for marriage equality and to repeal the Eighth Amendment. I have huge problems still with the Catholic Church's attitudes to women. But I was looking at, can I distinguish the individual's from the institutions. You know, many of the women I met were elderly in their late 80s, uh, in their 90s. And I was trying to look at them, many of them at their end of their life and saying, can I be more nuanced and, um, and, and take a different look? And I suppose, really for me, it opened my eyes and perhaps is allowing me to look about the individuals, but I suppose what's still missing for me, even if we leave aside the issue of financial compensation and address, I feel that we still don't have uh, proper reconciliation. I feel that still the leadership of the Catholic Church has yet to confront those big issues. So whilst I met these valiant women, many of whom themselves said that patriarchy played a role or clericalism played a role, but I suppose there's still gaps for me missing. I'm still on a journey. You mentioned about the, the, the vast numbers that were involved and you talked about the average age of those who are still involved. Uh, during the course of, of the preparation for this documentary, did you come across any young women who have who become nuns or want to become nuns? I did. I interviewed a, a young a young lady. I, I, there's a, a, a sister that I interviewed who lives in an enclosed order in County Drogheda at the Convent of the Sisters of Siena in Drogheda, which is a Dominican order. And we discovered that she and I were both at university at the same time, um, not in the same uh, college or in the same year, but we were contemporaries. And I remember driving away afterwards thinking, you know, she's an enclosed order. She, they barely engage with the wider world in terms of dealing with the public. And I remember thinking, whose call was more radical, hers or mine? And I think that her call was definitely the more radical one because it's very countercultural, um, given the choices that women have today to actually to pursue a vocation and to pursue a life called God. Most of the vocations for the orders in Ireland and elsewhere are coming from Asia, Africa and South America. Vocations in Ireland are vanishingly rare. Apart from the people and the other concerns you have, you look at the infrastructure as well and you're quoted as saying, today your primary school is a shell of its former self, awaiting demolition and redevelopment for housing and is just one of the many convent schools around Ireland who are awaiting a similar fate. That is a stark message that you're sending out, Derville. It is, and it was very moving and emotional for me to go back to my um, my convent in Newry. I'm, I'm from the north and from Newry County Down, and uh, 
those sisters of St Clair said our convent, our school up in 1829, that was the year uh, Catholic emancipation had just passed, very, very dangerous times um, the, you know, in the aftermath of the penal era and it was actually the first convent in the north since the Reformation and it broke my heart to see it. The, the convent itself, for heritage reasons, will be, um, will be um, maintained and restored but the school that I went to, the grounds, all the nuns have left is 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 their graveyard. Um, but at the same time, what really struck me is that many of the nuns don't see this as the end. They say there were times the orders had large numbers, there were times the orders had small numbers. Many of them see, the average orders, as I said, last around 200 years. So many of those big orders, like Presentation Sisters in Wexford, like, you know, other big orders around the country, they're coming to their natural completion. So a lot of the nuns feel as if it's fulfilment or completion. Others to see it at it's not the end, that there will always be women who are called to religious life. And I believe that. And actually, I think if any of the orders survive, it will actually be the contemplative enclosed orders. I also believe that women will still be called to religious life. We have amazing nuns and sisters, Sister Stan, Sister Concilio, Sister Helen Callan down in Limerick who founded the um, the Children's Grief Centre. There are still women who will be called to God who will always go out and meet the poor and marginalised. So whilst the way of life of the nuns as we know it may change, I wouldn't rule them out just yet. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Southeast Radio.